Welcome to Hub City Homers. We have a special episode again today. We've done an interview special in the past. This will be another one. We're also going to have some tidbits from the basketball game against the Offsprings on Tuesday night. But we're going to start with an interview with our friends from over at Our Daily Bears. This is Mark Moore. We're going to be talking with a Baylor guy. We're going to be talking about the new head football coach of Texas Tech, Joey McGuire. So, Mark, thank you for being here, first and foremost. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I know that this is a big week for Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, there's I, I would hesitate to would not hesitate to say that this is the most excitement most of the fans have had since Texas blew us out. Um, it's not <laughs> been a fun year and a change being made that most think was needed. We think, you know, we got a guy who will be great for us. So that's what we're here to talk about today is to give people who are not maybe as familiar with what Joey did at Baylor a chance to get an insight on that. So I guess the first question I will ask is he was actually brought in by Coach Rule and survived the staff transition. Um, based on your knowledge of, of, of what was going on at Baylor at the time, was Coach McGuire somebody who was discussed about not just being retained you know, as a staffer but actually – being elevated to the position as head coach when Matt Rule headed off to the NFL. So I think that the the best way to to start talking about Joey is, or Coach McGuire, I guess, is what I should call him, is actually to go back a little bit further than that. And uh, you're exactly right when you say that that Coach Rule brought him in whenever he came to Baylor in, uh, I guess, the the transition between 2016 and 2017. And the reason for it was pretty simple. You know, Coach Rule came from. Temple in Pennsylvania did not have quote unquote Texas ties, but immediately recognized that he needed to get guys from this area from Texas that could uh, ingratiate him in the coaching community specifically, but then also help him recruit. And so there were three guys that they really targeted, which was David Wetzel from the San San Antonio area, uh, Sean Bell, who is a Baylor legacy from China Spring. And then Joey McGuire, who was the head coach, longtime head coach at Cedar Hill High School outside of Dallas. And, um, I mean, Coach McGuire is a, a legend in the DFW and larger Texas high school community. He'd been at Cedar Hill as long as I can remember. Um, I mean, I grew up in this area, and I remember when William Cole and Cedar Hill won the state championship in 2006. And that was Joey McGuire leading the show at that point. And so when they convinced him to make the jump to the college ranks, it was for a really good reason. It was to, to take advantage of and leverage the respect and the admiration uh, and the connections that he had in the Texas high school football community uh, with the new staff. And I don't know if there was any relationship between McGuire and Rule before they got to Baylor, before Rule did, but I think it says something that's pretty unique about McGuire that within two years uh, before that, I think the 2019 season, he had made McGuire his assistant head coach, uh, as well as I think at that point, the tight ends coach. So they went from barely knowing each other at all, if at all, to him being what uh, rule considered to be an important, if not critical part of his staff. And then to answer your question even more directly, it's my understanding that, that when rule left, he put, Joey forward for the job, uh, recommended that that they just go ahead and turn the program over to McGuire. And McGuire put himself out there for it, interviewed for it, really, really, really wanted it, and was highly considered. Um, so 
I don't know. I don't know where he ended up in the final scheme of things as far as what the final list ended up being. But uh, uh, all of the reports were that that he really wanted the job, was highly considered, and probably would have done a really good job with it. Yeah, and I think that's something interesting to think about for you know tech fans wondering you know what kind of person is Coach McGuire, and one of the things that you know comes up a lot because of what just happened with Chris Beard, which colors and will continue to color every tech coaching hire for the next. I'll, I'm not thinking it's exaggeration three to five years, just because of the impact and the betrayal that was felt by the community. Um, whenever these guys come in, is that when Coach McGuire was passed over, you know he chose to stay. And I have to imagine with his reputation, it could have been possible for him to move on to greener pastures around at least the state of Texas um, and try to leverage his success at Baylor and his reputation to find maybe his first, his first coordinator job, if not a head coaching job. So it was a it's a sense of loyalty that tech fans were desperate to get in this next hire. And one of the reasons I think the search committee probably zeroed in on Coach McGuire when some of the other options became a bit dicier. But thinking about the other options, Jeff Trailer is a is a unique situation in and of itself because of, you know, he he had a meteoric rise to his current status. Um, and as Joey McGuire is trying to do essentially the same thing that's happened over at UTSA, which is an extremely fast turnaround by using kids that maybe get overlooked. One of the things I'm curious about is when Matt Rule and Baylor were, were you know, building out their staff, how much did it matter that somebody like Jeff Trailer was hired by UT previously and immediately succeeded? And I guess what I'm getting at is just, you know, and from what you've seen, is this a model that the Texas programs would be silly not to follow, which is go find these college guys who are now ready to make a jump or high school guys, excuse me, who are looking to make their first step forward into college. You know, is this going to become, you know, the, just the, uh, the mode of operation going to find these high school coaches and bring them onto your staff because that network's so critical. So uh, I would answer that in a couple of ways. And first uh, I want to go back to what you described as a meteoric rise, because this is actually a word that I was thinking about earlier today with respect to Joey himself and the parallels between him and trailer are just striking. You know, I knew uh, Jeff trailer whenever I I lived in East Texas for a while and I knew him as the head coach at Gilmer high school. And uh, I paid attention to, Baylor recruiting even before we started the blog. And then whenever we started the blog, there was a couple of recruits out uh, at Gilmer. So I knew of him as the uh, head coach there. And then he went to Texas. Then I think he went to SMU. And then I think he might've gone to Arkansas after that. But when he took that UTSA job, there was actually rumors that, that Joey was considered for that job at that time. So you really have this, this great uh, parallel between Jeff Trailer. East Texas high school legend, uh, never really a coordinator to my knowledge, but had been an assistant head coach and position coach at several different schools. And then Joey McGuire, who is Texas high school legend in the DFW Metroplex community, then took the Baylor job, became an assistant head coach, became an indispensable part of that Matt Rule staff, and then decided not to take the UTSA job, if that was true, but now has decided to make the jump and um, I think whenever rule hired him, they did it for that purpose of, of getting those Texas ties. 
But I don't necessarily think that that uh, McGuire is going to need to focus so heavily into that. And partly because of a guy I think we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is James Blanchard, but also because that's who McGuire is. That's what he brings to the table himself. Now, what's going to be critical for him is who he hires as his coordinators. Uh, I don't think it's uh, – I'm not trying to be pejorative or, or negative about him to say – I don't know that McGuire has a really strong reputation as an X's and O's guys himself. He's more of a culture coach, a player's coach, uh, a guy who's going to be end up being like a CEO type. So it's going to be very, very important who he brings in at those coordinator positions to really establish the identity of what they want to do schematically while he establishes the identity of who they want to be in terms of culture, uh, the fit, the society that they build in the program. And loyalty is going to be a big, big part of that. You know, when he got to Baylor, I don't know that he had any connections to Baylor, but he became a Baylor bear and he became someone that wanted to stay in 2019, 2020, whenever Aranda came on the scene. Now that he's going to tech, I have no doubt that he is going to become a Texas tech red Raider. And that's not going to be an act. That's not going to be something that he's just doing because he says it. That's going to be, I think that's going to be who he is. So if that's what you're looking for, that's what you've got. And again, I, I, I'll continue to say this with every tech hire that comes up. I think that it is going, because of what happened with Chris Beard in particularly, it's going to be hard for Kirby Hocutt to find guys who don't match this mold and see them be accepted. I think one of the reasons that you see Matt Wells effectively run out of town, because I, I, I may be one of the few who admits this, but it shouldn't be a shock that, Matt Wells being fired in two and a half years was largely because he was never embraced by the community from the jump. And uh, after what happened with Chris Beard leaving and, you know, Mark Adams coming in, a guy who was a true tech guy, and you may have seen it. There was a question asked to Matt Wells where essentially he got, he got the softball question coaches look for when they're in a bad the restaurant, right? Like what's your favorite restaurant in Lubbock and he couldn't do it. What, what's your favorite thing about Lubbock? And granted, oh, Chris Level has gone back and said he didn't think Matt Wells couldn't answer the question, but rather that he ties everything to his family anyways. But let me put it this way. There are questions in, you know, coaching, politics, religion, whatever, where if you get the question, you can't waffle on it. You know, if you ask, you know, a Catholic the name the Holy Trinity, you damn sure be able to name it if you're going to claim to be a Catholic. When you were the head coach of Lubbock, you should have been able to, in Lubbock, you should have been able to BS an answer through there and he couldn't do it. So I think that, after what happened with Beard, did far more damage to his standing than I think people are willing to admit. It was the sense that this guy just doesn't belong here, which I think, uh, as as for how Coach McGuire has been greeted, there is the exact opposite sense, which is that um, he is someone that should be you know here. Because the, the other thing about Tech fans is after Cliff Kingsbury arrived, Tech fans loved Kingsbury, but Kingsbury is an aloof, reserved, quiet, Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. East Coast style dude. He learned from Belichick how to handle the media. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't interact with the fans to the degree, you know, he's not there. He's not his own hype man and he's not the program's hype man. He wanted to coach football and he didn't want to recruit, which hurt him, but he was, you know, a, an NFL style breed of coach. And while he was, you know, a famous son of tech, um, he didn't see, I don't think you saw, even the reception that coach McGuire is getting because of how hard I think that we've seen coach McGuire work to make clear, you know, who he is to tech fans. 
which, you know, yeah, I'd be surprised. Oh, continue. I'd be surprised if, if McGuire didn't have an answer to that question now. And he's oh, been yeah. on the job for what, 24 hours? Like I'd be, I'd be shocked if he didn't have something that, that, as you said, you know, it's a softball question, but you, you damn sure have to be able to answer it. And I'd be, I'd be surprised if he did, wasn't able to give you an answer that was actually meaningful and actually conveyed his true feelings right now. Because at his core, I think that the best thing that, that people say about Coach McGuire is that he's genuine, he's real, and you're going to get what you're going to get. And um, I think that's what Texas Tech needs because I don't think I'm telling you anything that, that you don't know, that there are difficulties in recruiting to Lubbock. There are difficulties – in finding people that that want to stay there and be successful, and you, you've seen that, and I think you found one. I don't think that he views this necessarily as a, a stepping stone program, because five years ago he was coaching at Cedar Hill High School. You know, now he's coaching the what fourth or fifth largest public university in the state of Texas. This is this has to be a dream come true for him. This has to be something where he almost has to pinch himself to even make sure that it's real, and so. I've been very happy to see the excitement because uh, I've, I've interacted with McGuire through Twitter. Uh, I've, uh, I know people that know him very closely. Um, so it's been, it's been really cool to see the, the level of excitement from him. It's been cool to see the level of excitement from Texas Tech fans to have him and to see that come together. It's been, it's been pretty cool to watch. It's, it's something to be said that um... – Originally, where when Coach McGuire's name first surfaced, to give you an idea of why the hire gained so much traction so quickly, is after last year, or actually, you know, I should say <laughs> there might this might have started after his first Matt Wells's first season, but after last year is when it really picked up momentum. There was a move made by several boosters at Tech to push Matt Wells and Kirby Hokut out. Now, at the time, that was being done because there was a core contingent who wanted to bring Art Bryles in. The other name that was mentioned alongside was Joey McGuire. That was a movement, the Hire McGuire hashtag, actually started in 2020 after the this, another really bad season. Um, and with that being said, when it came up this time around, I think that Tech fans, after Jeff Trailer signed his contract extension and Sonny Dykes seemed to be I don't know if he's waiting to see what TCU's – I don't know what TCU's doing at this stage. You know, I thought that was going to be a done deal when they got into the market to pick up Sonny Dykes. But the third name that resurfaced fast amongst the fan base was um, Coach McGuire again. And I think a lot of that started during that 2020 year. People, The people who drove for him to being hired, who really pushed for it on social media, who rallied people to that cause, um, they, they picked him up fast. But, you know, at this stage in the game, we have one name for Coach McGuire's staff. We have we don't know who the coordinators are. Right. As far as I'm aware, there's been no word that he's retaining any staff from Tech. Um, there is rumor that he might keep Cumbie, or there is at least will to keep Cumbie. There's will to keep the running backs coach um, in order to keep some guys in place and keep that unit going. But we do know James Blanchard is officially coming over from Baylor. Uh, he was a critical part of the Baylor recruiting staff. But the question that always comes up whenever whenever tech fans hear this, and I did the same thing because I was I don't ever look into people's support staff until it impacts me. But the question is, how much of an impact does any support staff coach have? So as I understood, he was an associate AD of recruitment. So what mm-hmm. it, what in your words was 
uh, uh, James Blanchard, you know, responsible for? Who were some of the guys that he had a hand in identifying and bringing into Baylor? So uh, uh, I want to go go back for a second. I think you, you guys made, I think, the right move in in trying to get a jump on the hiring season by getting rid of Wells early. Uh, you can say, you know, maybe it was because he could, he might have won a couple of games and potentially saved his job or made the situation worse. But I think that the reason that it happened was to try and get a jump and to try and go after trailer. And when that didn't pan out, obviously, like you said, you know, there's there's other names that came around, but it's kind of a unique position right now where you have, I know we, I think we have three games left, and then a bowl. Other teams have have fewer games, but the same number of weeks, like there may not be a lot of movement officially in terms of hiring coaches or hiring or getting commitments or announcements on coordinators and things for a little while, but that doesn't mean that this stuff's not going around in the background. And, you know, you guys, when I saw the pictures, actually, it was the first time that I had known for sure that it was happening, that uh, Blanchard had actually gone to Lubbock with, um, with McGuire I obviously, or I immediately recognize that that's going to be a big loss for us. A little bit of background on Blanchard is that he actually had a brother named Trayvon Blanchard, who was a Baylor player not too long ago. And that's kind of how he got into Baylor circles. He was actually pretty active on Baylor message boards for a long time. And he's from the Golden Triangle area. Um, he's uh, He likes to use the 409 area code as kind of like his zone. Uh, but he's from the... East Texas, Golden Triangle area. Uh, he's always had a really great eye for talent. I think his saying for a long time was see a stud, offer a stud. Uh, so really his his strengths are in evaluation, identifying players, uh, maybe identifying players that are under-recruited um, and bringing that to the attention of other people. And I think that was his primary role in the Baylor program. He wasn't necessarily running recruiting, but he had a big, big hand in evaluation and identification of prospects, and particularly those that, you know, 247, ESPN, rivals, whoever, don't already obviously know about. Like the four and five stars, everybody knows who those guys are. But those guys at, at Baylor's level, and I think at Texas Tech's level, those aren't going to be the ones that necessarily, you know, you build your program around because there's so few and far between. What Blanchard excelled at was identifying the guys are a little bit less recruited, but then had athleticism and skill and that could be taken and molded. And that fit really well with what rule wanted to do because what they wanted to take players that had the gifts and teach them how to play. It's a little different with Aranda, but that's, that fits what Blanchard can do is find those diamonds in the rough, find those athletically gifted guys and really bring them to the forefront. And that, that's a model that I think Tech – what's important to Tech at this stage in the game is finding guys who are really going to focus on the college, uh, the high school ranks. And one of the reasons why is, is because Matt Wells seemingly abandoned high school recruiting. Um, I believe Tech signed 10 guys in their last class from the high school ranks in order to load up on transfers. So mm-hmm. I think that a lot of – besides the fact that they hired McGuire at all, which is a – rejection of the model that Matt Wells was, you know, Coach Wells being a guy with no Texas ties, a guy who Mm -hmm. was going to focus on the transfer market, a guy who very much didn't prioritize learning the state. Uh, He never made much of an effort to bring in anyone who did know the state of Texas until Sonny Cumbie 
which we didn't get to see whether or not that relationship would pay off long term with, um, you know, recruiting dividends. But I think it was a signal by McGuire that right away, the very first hire that he confirmed, you know, off the board, the first call he makes to get along is, you know, a recruiting guy. I think that, um, you know, he could have made a lot of calls. I think a lot of people that he's known, he's worked with, etc., could have, you know, hopped on board a lot faster. I think I think a lot of the, the coaches he ends up targeting are going to be some of the guys he's brushed shoulders with at Baylor. I know the def- head defensive coordinator um, candidate right now, as being reported, is a the the. I believe he was Baylor's linebacker coach now up in with Matt Rolla in Carolina. So I think that, you know, it says something that he, he didn't make any of those decisions quickly. He didn't make any of those calls fast, but he called up a guy he knew he could, you know, he knew he was going to get to recruit with him and he brought him on the plane to Lubbock in a day, um, which, you know, is as, as fast as I've ever seen a coach put together, you know, recruiting staff is they're going to be a two man army with which three commitments already on the board for Coach McGuire and a whole mess of offers. You know, I think he's yeah. offered now 15 kids in the West Texas area. I mean, it's just been a deluge of him dumping offers onto the onto the area. And I have to assume that James Blanchard has had at least some hand in helping coordinate those efforts and how fast they're getting moving down the recruiting trail. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Blanchard was the driving force in that Um He's got a lot of connections. He knows a lot of people across the state. Um, he's really taken to uh, the recruiting, um, kind of, for lack of a better word, game in college, and and did a great job with it at Baylor. I think he's, like I said, he's going to be uh, he's going to be missed. And uh, I think you were talking about Mike Saravo whenever you were talking about our, our former linebacker coach yes, in South Carolina. I couldn't remember the name, but yes. Yeah, I, I've heard his name mentioned in that uh, defensive coordinator position for you guys. I know that was one of the things that was rumored when when McGuire tried to get the Baylor job before, when Aranda got it, is that he wanted to try and have Saravo as his as defensive coordinator. So that wouldn't shock me at all if that was his primary candidate. Um, I'd be a little surprised if Saravo pulled the trigger after having been in the NFL for a little while. But, hey, and, you know, McGuire can – can sell ice to an Eskimo. So who knows what he'll be able to pull off, but no, you've, you've seen, like you said, you know, you've seen the, the offers go out, you've seen immediate dividends. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of buy-in from recruits, uh, particularly maybe in areas that you wouldn't necessarily have seen before, like East Texas. Um, if I know Blanchard at all, he's going to hit East Texas hard uh, and that's in addition to obviously the more immediate area in West Texas. So uh, I think you're you're seeing that those dividends. I think you're seeing the excitement. And if if they're going to do anything, those two guys together are going to recruit. There's just I mean I have little doubt about it. What I think is a bit more sensitive of a subject right now because Coach McGuire is at least as far as I've seen, and I I am not as plugged into the Baylor community as you know, any, any actual Baylor fan, but as far as I've seen, there's just been a ton of, you know, joy and uh, uh, support for this move for him. But what will become more sensitive is the fact that the matter is, is that a lot of the guys that Baylor is, has targeted are guys that McGuire will also be targeting. So I, sure. I have to, to wonder, and I think this has been discussed some, at least as far as I've seen on, on the Baylor end, if this becomes 
a rivalry going forward with McGuire and Baylor, just because that they, while they, both schools have always historically recruited the same guys. I know this sure. year, this cycle, this first cycle that McGuire has his hands in, I have to imagine a lot of the players that he looked at at Baylor will be the guys he pulls the trigger and offers them because he's already had the time to evaluate them. So I wondered what your thoughts were on how that relationship is going forward. You know, can, is there any way for this there to avoid being, you know, an acrimony that forms between the two, between the program and its former coach, um, you know, which may seem kind of inevitable as we get rolling. Well, I think it, it says something about McGuire as a person that when this news broke and we have, you know, three plus weeks left in the season and the news broke that he was going to a school that we actually play in our last game of the year, uh, the, the response was, you know, jubilation. It was joy. It was excitement. You know, McGuire had a lot of fans at Baylor and a lot of people that in 2019 or whenever, whenever rule left and we hired Aranda, I think it was 2019, uh, really wanted McGuire to get that job. And so there was a sizable Baylor contingent that, that really believed in Coach McGuire and really believed in, in his commitment to Baylor University. And so they are very excited to see him get an opportunity to, at the highest level of college football. And I'm one of those people. Um, not necessarily that I thought he, he should have gotten the job in 2019, but that I'm extremely excited for him to get this opportunity because I know how much it means to him. Now, as to the as to the relationship going forward, and some of that stuff's inevitable. I mean, like you said, we recruit uh, a lot of the same players anyway, about the same level. Uh, so I doubt that that that's going to be that much of a difference or a change in circumstances. And it's natural that you know he's already evaluated and recruited certain players uh, wearing the green and gold. So now he's going to do it wearing the red and black, and that's just that's just the way it goes. I. I hope that our fans don't take that personally because there's certainly nothing personal about it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, He's just, he's a Texas Tech Red Raider now and he's going to do whatever it takes to be successful out there. So I hope that there doesn't develop anything particularly special about that. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're moving forward in the new big 12. Um, We've got these Texas schools that have managed to stick together to end that process. And I think that, those relationships are going to continue to get maybe more passionate now that we won't be all playing Texas every year. There is a comment that I have to bring up just because it, it um, I believe it's been discussed some more on the Baylor end, but there was a comment made about the crowd at Baylor home games against tech. Now I will say, I know for a fact tech is probably the best traveling fan base in the big 12, just because I've watched it happen. There are, there are very few gyms in the nation that Tech has not gone into and taken over. I don't know why that's true, because we are not a particularly good football traveling fan base. Um, the only better example I can think of is uh, what Iowa State does every year for the Big 12 tournament, You know where they just flood and right. dominate it. Uh, I, we, Tech does it to Texas. Tech does it to TCU to a the nth degree. I mean, Tech does it going to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. They, just, they seem to travel very well. I don't know why. But I did think that was funny. I've never been to a Baylor basketball game. Never been. I've been to very few basketball games outside of Lubbock. Um, only one actually being I had an opportunity to go watch Bob Knight coach Tech at OU when I lived in Norman. But I had to wonder, you know, from your perspective, was there a time at Baylor when that was actually happening 
you know, while uh, uh, Coach McGuire was there? So I don't know how I don't really know if I can answer that question because uh, obviously I've not been at Baylor. I graduated well before uh, Matt Rule got there, and then obviously McGuire got there as well. So I can't really speculate about that. I will say there have been a lot of really uh, how do you put it um, uh, vociferous reactions to that quote, which I think was actually made yesterday, but then kind of broke into the Twitterverse today. And uh, I became aware of it uh, this afternoon and just frankly doesn't bother me at all that he would say that. And it, it may well be true on, on one or two occasions. Uh, we have a notoriously fickle basketball fan base. Hopefully that changes now that we have a national championship trophy uh, and are the defending national champions with the uh, number eight ranked team in the country this year. Um, I, ho- I hope that changes. And if we continue down the path of building a new basketball pavilion, I would expect it to, but, uh, you know, I take comments like that for, for what they are, which is a new coach at a new school who's trying to ingratiate himself to a new community and a new fan base. And I think it was meant to be a statement of positivity about Texas tech fans. I can understand why Baylor fans might take it as a little bit of a shot. Um, but you know, I, it, it doesn't necessarily bother me that, that he might say something like that. And for the record, if I remember correctly, the context of the quote, and I didn't see this live um, because I was working at the time and I had the game on mute, but the the comment was made, Tech played on ESPN+, Plus, which means it's the local basketball crew. I believe when he said it was during a basketball broadcast. Um, And they introduced him at the game, right? Like, wasn't wasn't that kind of his intro to the community? He came, they had the conference, uh, his introductory press conference was noon. He was at the game and gave a, a br- really brief, you know, kind of just hello, uh, little, little, little bit of a hype speech at halftime. But he did give a on-air segment right before halftime ended once he got off the court. And that was when I, I think he got asked, like, what was one of the things that made you want the job in the first place, which is when he made the comment. Um, as for why that comment was made in particular, like I said, Tech is known for traveling well as a basketball fan base. But more than that, it is something that Tech takes extremely large amounts of pride in how much they built the the fan base. And one of the reasons that sure. in particular this year that was important to say was, again, because everything's getting cut, shattered by what happened with Chris Beard. Chris Beard left for what is just objectively one of the overall worst athletic fan bases in the night on the nation. You know, the, the most fair weather, the least engaged, the whiniest fan base at Texas was unduly you know, arrogant. Yeah, and uh, especially for we basketball. We could go on forever. Yeah. Yeah, especially for basketball. That was seen, that was one of the more insulting things that happened was just there's just literally no chance Texas supports Chris Beard like Lovick, uh, that like Tech did, which is, I think, what, something Coach McGuire knew when he said it, um, which is something they take pride in. Uh, but my last question, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you go here, but I do want to ask one last question for you. Sure. And that's, you're looking at, we, we we mentioned the defensive coordinator, and, you know, everybody's still playing more or less. So, like you said, it's probably going to be probably two to three weeks minimum before there's any significant buzz on any coordinators, um, even guys that may be coming down from the NFL ranks, such as a, 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 a certain gentleman from Carolina, you know, uh, but – you know, if you're guessing who McGuire could potentially look at as an offensive coordinator, 
I've heard all sorts of names thrown around, and I mean all sorts of names. In your opinion, based on what you know about him, of, of all the rumors out there, all the names out there, who's a guy that you think has the best chance of coming to Lubbock to coach the offensive side of the ball? Uh, the, the immediate reaction is Graham Harrell, and it's for a number of reasons. And number one, it was because it was another one of the rumors that swirled around the time that he wanted the Baylor job in 2019 is that that was part of the staff that he was attempting to line up. And it was a little difficult to, to believe at that point because USC was um, certainly not in the position that they're in now with uh, they're not having a head coach or at least in an interim position. And so it was a little difficult to believe then, but given the circumstances and how that's developed, I think that he would have to be the, the odds on favorite um, given that he's a tech guy, he's a Texas guy. Um, and I, I believe that there's an existing relationship there and he's going to be looking for a job. Quite honestly, I, I doubt that he gets retained by whoever comes in to, to fill the permanent position at USC. And so it makes perfect sense to realign that back at Texas tech with uh, his knowledge of the area, his knowledge of, of what made Texas tech successful when it was successful under Mike Leach and the fact that, um, as far as I know, McGuire has never been wedded to a particular offensive style. Like I said, he's not really a, a coach known for um, you know, a particular X's and O's um, proficiency. He's more of a culture guy. He's a team guy. He's a, he's a development player development guy. So I think that, that he would be open to just about any type of a system. But um, I, I would put... If I had to put money on it, I would put money on Graham Harrell. No question. Which is something interesting for Tech fans to think about. Um, I don't know. I have no insight. I've heard names such as um, Kitley out of Western Kentucky. I've heard Cumbie being retained. I know Graham Harrell at least, as far as it was reported, was interviewed for the, this job or contacted at the minimum um, for this job. This time around, I'm not sure what Graham Harrell wants to do. I've always contended he is looking for his first head coaching job next. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a seat for him, in which case I could see him trying to park it in Lubbock for a year and hope that North Texas or something, UTEP, UTSA, one of these jobs mm -hmm. springs open sooner rather than later for him to snag up, as he is uh, uh, a legend within the state for what he did at Tech. But I want to thank you again, Mark, for coming on once again. I was here with Mark from Our Daily Bears, our our sister site over on the Baylor side for Sports Black Nation. Give them a follow, especially as we approach game day with Baylor in, what, two weeks now, three weeks? Um, so that will be closing in. And keep an eye out for um, what Coach McGuire has going forward. Like I said from the jump, we're going to have some basketball analysis following after this. Stay tuned from that. That will be from our guy, Kendall. So last night was, uh, in a lot of ways, a fantastic introduction to this new team. And uh, I personally think that uh, really, it was really impressive to me. Because I know there were some struggles defensively. But also, one thing that I noticed, and I think a lot of people need to kind of look back at last night's game and realize that North Florida hit some shots. <laughs> they, they hit 11 threes, you know. It was shots that we were giving them, and it was almost like, you know, if they make those, well, okay. Because, like, it's a shot that you're going to give them 10 times out of 10 because of where they were taking them. And kudos to North Florida. They hit some shots. Uh, <laughs> ruined the cover for Tech. But 
all in all, I felt that that was just a really, really fun first game. I think that we got to see the energy that this team is going to bring in week in, week out. Uh, we got to see a lot on the offensive end between Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, Davion Warren, especially Warren to me. I think that he was possibly the most impressive guy out there because not only was he just elite getting to the basket like I thought he would be, he was just a pest defensively on ball, off ball. He was just great. And uh, I really think that he's going to be the guy that is guarding uh, team's best guards uh, nightly. And he actually kind of reminded me defensively a lot of uh, Davion Mitchell from Baylor last year. He, uh, I'm not saying they're the same player, not at all, but defensively, that's the guy I would compare him to as far as just being able to get up in your grill and, uh, you know, take that ball, make you uncomfortable, make you want to get rid of it. And uh, I think that as a whole, just the team for where we're at and how many new guys we had coming in, I, it was really encouraging to me because on the offensive end, you know, we were wondering all off season, what is that going to look like all season? And, you know, at first it was insane. The ball movement was just incredible. And I was really happy with it because it wasn't that motion offense. It wasn't even close to it. We There was times where we were pushing it, times where we were slowing it down. It all just depended on the flow of the game. And it flowed so much better than it has in the past. Because in the past past couple of years, we've had some primary ball handlers. And as talented as they are, the ball would stick sometimes in that motion offense because, you know, it just wasn't a good flow sometimes. But last night, I felt that there wasn't really one guy that had the ball sticking to them. You know, everybody that dribbled that ball, it seemed like they were going somewhere with it. You know, the ball wasn't sticking. Uh, if someone was dribbling, they were getting to the paint and either kicking it out or taking it up or making that next pass. And that's really important, especially when, you know, we really didn't know who our main guard is, and we still kind of don't because last night it rotated from Warren and uh, McCuller and Wilson, and uh, even Sadar Calhoun, when he came off the bench, he he had the ball in his hand quite a bit, and uh, that was really encouraging to me, because last night we were introduced to, you know, Bryson Williams, we were introduced to Kevin O'Banner and Davion Warren, but at the same time, we got to see kind of just as a whole what we're capable of, and, you know, there were some concerns uh, offensively, you know, not getting that many three-point shots. They didn't even take that many. We knew that was kind of going to be possibly a concern was the outside shooting. And, uh, you know, that will work itself out, I feel like. I feel like when TJ is back, that spacing will kind of change even more, no matter who's in the starting lineup, whether uh, Davion stays or uh, Malik stays. Or even we've seen TJ come off the bench, and if TJ does come off the bench because maybe he just prefers that role, uh, I think that offense will look a lot different when TJ is in there because he's so versatile. And uh, I think TJ has worked a lot on that outside shot, and I actually think he's going to be one of our top perimeter shooters this year when he's back because, uh, you know, obviously O'Banner hit three last night. Uh, Wilson, or excuse me, Bryson Williams was able to, uh, you know, pop out to the top of the key, hit that three. Really encouraging right there, too, if he can do that consistently because, you know, Bryson last night really uh, 
offensively, he was just so versatile. You know, down low, he was a paint beast. He was dominating down low on the boards. He was dominating the block. You know, between him, Santos Silva, and O'Banner, just down low, we had that on lock. And that was just, you know, a great sign. Because, you know, down low last year, and especially the year before with uh, Holyfield, uh, we've gotten killed especially in the Big 12, you know, with uh, some of the big men. You know, last year, Texas had, you know, Sims and Brown and uh, Kai Jones. But, you know, this year, I think that we actually have one of the more stacked front courts in the Big 12, and I think a lot of people would agree. But I don't think people know how stacked it really is because there's potentially three guys that can give you a double-double night in night out but that doesn't even account for defensively how strong we're going to be down low because last night basically showed that we have four guys maybe even five with KJ Allen because that dude is not a he he's six foot five but he is a post he is he's a post but you know Daniel Bacho was he impressed me last night so much because for how big he is and how raw I thought he was he is the most game ready, you know, of the project bigs that we've had in the past. You know, we had Big Russ. Uh, we had the guy last year. His name's kind of running away from me here. But, uh, you know, we've had those guys in the past couple seasons that, you know, we've seen the potential and we've wanted that potential to be there, but it just wasn't. Bacho, he is a lot better on his feet. He is uh, a lot more game ready. And that is going to be huge as the season continues because we are going to see some bigger guys that maybe you know at 6869 uh Marcus Santos Silva and uh Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner don't match up great and that's where Bacho is going to come in really big that's another big thing I took away from last night but the thing that I need want to address with the defense is people might panic a little bit you see that we gave up you know gave up over 70 last or over 60 last night but like that shouldn't be much of a concern to me it's a Mark Adams coach basketball team we know the defense will come around there's a lot of new guys communication is you know it was just off last night on the defensive end but there was still you know they were still getting at the ball you know Davion Warren his on-ball defense was like I said phenomenal he uh he was able to get after it and um at the end of the day, I think that uh, this team is going to do some special things. I, I know it was, we're only one game in, and I don't want to overreact, but that team, you know, we've the past couple of years, there's been speculation, you know, like going into seasons, uh, especially after our final four year, you know, coming in, we thought we had talent. You know, we came in with some hype. We thought... You know, with Jamias Ramsey and TJ coming in, we thought that, you know, it was just going to be right back there. But very early, we could kind of tell that they just weren't there yet. And the same thing last year sometimes, you know. There was games where you could just tell they weren't there yet. But last night, I was just really shocked uh, how ready they seemed, especially with that 9-0 run right off the bat. Like, that was just the energy that uh, I love to see right off the bat especially to open the season. And uh, we really won't know 
exactly where we stack up nationally until we play, you know, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Providence. But these are some good tune-up games, especially when we don't have TJ. You know, hopefully we have TJ back by Gonzaga. But, you know, it's just nice to see us kind of take off early instead of, you know, kind of sleepwalking through the first couple games then getting punched in the mouth like we did last year against Houston. Uh, We kind of sleptwalk through some of the early games, you know, that were closer than they should have been. Then we went and played Houston and got punched in the mouth and, uh, you know, almost came back, but it still just wasn't good enough. And uh, it's really encouraging. And I think that there's a lot to build off of, a lot to improve upon, but Tech fans, get ready, because this this offense, it's going to be something that we haven't seen in a while. We've been known for defense, but also... I know we're accustomed to the no middle, but do not be shocked to see some press mixed in there too because I saw him try it last night with uh, Malik picking up full court. But the guy that really I think can do it consistently is uh, Davion Warren. I think Kev can do it. TJ can definitely do it. Uh, These guards, they're athletic. They're long. Sadar Calhoun can do it. KJ, you know, I said he was a post, but like he's still quick. He can pick up if he needs to. And, uh, I think that these guards are so athletic and so versatile that we are going to be able to do a lot defensively, and we just need some time to kind of gel. But, you know, don't panic on the defensive end. Offensively, there's so much, so much good there. And, uh, you know, I'm just ready for the season to keep going. So, uh, you know, uh, guns up, wreck them, and uh, we'll be back Friday. And uh, let's go get another dub.